This is The Healthy Sensitive, episode 23. Welcome everyone to The Healthy Sensitive a podcast for highly sensitive people who are trying to find a way to live big, develop into their full potential, not slink away into the hills, and in the midst of all of this developing, somehow keeping their physical, emotional, mental, and even spiritual well-being intact. I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show, and today's focus will be on self-actualization. It sounds lofty and maybe a little woo-woo, but keep in mind the ideas here were crafted by a renowned psychologist, Maslow, which may or may not mean it is or is not woo-woo. I guess it kind of just depends on your opinion of psychologists. But anyway, for those just stepping in, I've been spending these last episodes talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and using it as a kind of outline to map out what self-actualization could look like and what it requires and also sort of catering this specifically to my fellow highly sensitive crowd. Um, So far we've covered physical needs, so the need for food, water, and sleep, heavy emphasis on getting fed regularly and plenty of sleep. (laughs) You'll know when a highly sensitive person has not gotten either of them, they'll either be hangry or cranky. Safety needs is next, so knowing that you have a home to come home to and it's in a space that isn't likely to explode at any moment. Relationship needs, uh, the need to feel loved and connected with members of a community. Uh, Up from there is self-esteem needs, so it kind of builds on the relationship needs by suggesting we have a need to feel like we have a place in our community. So it's not just that you're connected, but you're contributing and you're being recognized for your contributions. Uh, Cognitive needs, the need to discover and to grow, the need to think and challenge ideas. Uh, That's followed by aesthetic needs. So not just the capacity to think about challenging concepts, but also the capacity to find the beauty in them. Um, This is where the desire to create meaning out of the chaos of life by virtue of capturing it in a painting or expressing it in a design comes from. And that brings us to today, the next step on this ladder, self-actualization. This is where things get kind of juicy. So first of all, before I get into all of this, I I should definitely give credit where it's due. Much of what I'm pulling from today is actually work summarized by a gentleman who I dearly hope I am not butchering your name. Uh, I have here Saul McLeod. It could be Saul McLeod. <laughs> I'll spell his name. S-A-U-L McLeod M-C-C-L-E-O-D. So uh, I imagine he's a credited scholar. I dearly hope I'm not butchering your name. If I am, my profound apologies. So self-actualization. In terms of what self-actualization means and why this was even of interest to our friend Maslow, uh, who, by the way, was doing all of this stuff in 1943, kind of a big deal, uh, he, w- he kind of felt like we were focusing too much on psychopathology. He wanted to build and start talking about what people were doing well. And that's where the inspiration for this entire pyramid really comes from, because he does put it in the design of a pyramid. 
he wanted to dive into, okay, the, yes, yes, there are people who are sick and we want to get them well, but there's also people who seem to reach this profound sense of not just being at home in their own skin, but then being capable of extending that into the world around them. You know, we, we see this when we see uh, Gandhi, when we see Martin Luther King, like these profound individuals who are capable of just monumental things in our world. Maslow wanted to capture that and kind of build a, a paradigm or, or a, a framework to say, okay, this is what would be required for someone to do that successfully. At least this is his, you know, well, I don't, I'm not going to get into spiritual bypassing here because that could be a whole nother episode, but he was really trying to build a framework to describe what a whole rounded, balanced person would look like. So as I've mentioned before, we've already gone up all of the, you know, many of the rings of the ladder. This is now self-actualization and it can help. It's kind of a strange thing. How do you know when someone is self-actualized? What does that even mean? So this is coming from a direct quote. It says, it refers to the person's desire for self-fulfillment, namely to the tendency for him to become actualized in what he or she, I'm adding that in, is potentially. You know, one of my favorite authors, and my apologies, listeners, I quote her all the time, Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, talks about how she frequently falls in love not with the man himself, but with the potential of a man. This is kind of getting to, what if you were becoming your potential? That's what self-actualization really looks like. So to begin with, the characteristics of someone who was self-actualized. Uh, number one, they perceive reality efficiently and can tolerate uncertainty. So this kind of gets to the heart of, you know, there's a number of people, I, I can always tell when someone isn't fully developed when they're easily startled and they, they have what I would call a victim mentality. The world is out to get me! Oh no! These are the folks who, when problems arise, will take things very personally. Someone who self-actualized doesn't do this. They understand when they're looking around them that there's a larger picture that's operating and they can tolerate that uncertainty. It's the person who, upon you know being awakened from an earthquake, goes, huh, yeah, earthquake. There's not really anything I can do about that. <laughs> and is perfectly comfortable with that fact. There's a, yes, it's, it's that capacity to know, yes, I can die at any moment. And also, holy hell, I can die at any moment. Like, I better really appreciate what's going on here. So they can tolerate uncertainty. It's not that they have faith in the world around them. Like, oh, don't worry. You know, there's a plan. That's not necessarily self-actualization, although someone who was fully developed might say those words. Someone who self-actualized is probably more inclined to say, no, no, there isn't any certainty, but I can tell you that I have faith in my ability to respond. So number two, they accept themselves and others for what they are. Brene Brown in a presentation that she did and also in her writings talked about a conversation that she had with her husband. She asked the question, do you think people are all doing the best they can? He is a pediatrician. She has a PhD in social work. 
you can imagine what each of these two individuals have been exposed to. So to ask a question like that to people who've been exposed to some horrendous things is not a simple task. He ultimately ended up answering in the affirmative, or rather what he said is, I don't know, but I can tell you I'm a happier man when I live as though people are doing the best they can. Brene Brown kind of took it a step further and she said, I've decided I, I'm now able to answer that question. My answer to the question is yes. I believe everyone is doing the best they possibly can given their background, given their upbringing, given their biological makeup, given their cultural lenses, given the feedback they've been given on their behavior. Yes, we're all doing the best we can. Caveat to that, some people's best is scary as shit. Some people's best belongs behind bars. So it's not to say that everyone's all rainbows and lollipops. There are psychopaths. There are cruel, horrible people out there. And yes, they're doing the best they can. That's why it's so important that we protect ourselves and also that we stay aware. Some people's best belongs behind bars. The ability to engage with the world that way is a characteristic of someone who is self-actualized. They're not going out there and saying, yes, everyone is wonderful and it's all Pollyanna. But they're also not going out there and saying it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, damn it, and you got to defend your own. It's more just looking around and saying, okay, this is who I am. This is my personality. This is where I come from. And that's okay. Yes, I can get better. Yeah, I can try and make improvements. But I'm not going to shame myself or others for who they are. I accept it. And then I move on. Number three, spontaneous in thought and action. So there isn't this constant curtailing going on. There isn't this need to always just hold your own self in check. Wait, wait, should I say that? I don't know if I should say that. Maybe I should just, maybe I should plan it all. Everything should have a plan. As it happens, self-actualized people have the capacity for spontaneity because they understand that life is short. So let's go do things. I would add to this, Self-actualized people, it, it, there's a quote, and unfortunately I don't remember the person who said it. I suppose I could have Googled it, shame on me. But it was, imperfect action is always better than perfect planning. Someone who's self-actualized embodies this. It's not that they're going out there going, oh, who cares about anyone else? I'm just going to do me. It's more of a, I, let's experiment. Let's see what happens. It's not going out to cause harm, it's going out to make it better. And it's knowing that in doing so, it might not work out great. Let's give it a shot anyway. Number four, they're problem-centered, not self-centered. I don't know if I like the way that this one's framed. I would say they're more solution-centered, not self-centered. But I guess for you to know that there's a solution, you have to first understand that there was a problem, so I guess I get it. But it's not about me. People who are self-centered are typically terrified all the time. They're constantly looking around them and scanning and thinking to themselves, what must they think of me? It's the person who, 
you know, wants to get the burka bag because they want to show that they, you know, they, they need to get the burka bag rather. And I suppose if you want it, that's fine. But it's the person who is terrified of being seen as less than. They're worried about perception. Problem-centered people aren't worried about that so much. They're just looking around and trying to make things better. They're looking around and saying, okay, here I am. How can I be of use? Uh, Self-actualized people tend to have a great sense of humor. So here's something really interesting. For any of my fellow HSP out there who have ever looked at a, tech, a deck of tarot cards. Oh yeah, baby, I'm going there. There is a card in the stack called the Devil. At least I think it's called the Devil in all decks. Anyway, and of course there's a negative connotation with the Devil, but in tarot, that negative association dissolves. The devil is not an evil character. The devil is simply a powerful character. It's the... I don't know if I want to say it's the cynic. The closest uh, the devil card comes to is like a Don Juan. I don't know if you've ever watched The Lion King, for example, but if you have, maybe you remember Rafiki, the wise monkey. Um, you'll know in Moana, Yes, I'm totally giving myself away here. Yes, I watch Disney movies. So in Moana, the grandmother, who's kooky and weird and funky, but she's wise. You'll notice this is a common thread amongst people who are considered to be wise and self-actualized. They've figured out life is way too important, as Oscar Wilde said, to be taken seriously. They understand the difference. Yes, life is important, but no, it's not meant to be serious all the time. They have this unusual sense of humor because they get that, my God, you're a speck, living on a speck that's wrapping around a speck of light that's just one tiny little blip in a massive universe that we ha don't even have a fraction of understanding around. The best we've come is the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I mean, come on, we have no idea what we're doing here. So... Why take everything so damn seriously? That's what self-actualized people get. They get that life is important, but they also get that it's not something that you need to be too serious about. So the reason I brought up tarot and the devil card is that this is a, a mark about him. He's known as being very wise, but he's kind of humorous. He's the prankster, he's the jokester. He's the one looking around at social institutions and thinking, you know, I don't know if all of these are so necessary. You're getting hung up on the wrong things here. A great example of this is, uh, once again, Elizabeth Gilbert. That poor woman, she's getting all kinds of flack today. Uh, she wrote about this ritual where a group of monks decided to get together, they would meditate together, and one of them had a beloved cat, and the cat was a menace. I mean, they all loved the cat, but I mean, just it was annoying, it meowed, it got in the way. So, before meditation, they would take the cat and very humanely just put a little leash on it or some kind of makeshift leash and tie it to a pole so that they could have an hour of peace. And then, of course, after the meditation, they would then release the cat and all would be well. At a certain point, the cat died. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny. Died of, an old, of old age, lived its life, and all of these monks were sort of distraught. They didn't know how to begin their ritual of meditation any longer. So this whole tale is a warning. You know, don't get so wrapped up in the rituals. It's, mo it's supposed to be about the journey toward yourself.
it's the same concept here. That's what the devil card in tarot is trying to say. It's what Don Juan in Carlos Castaneda's books were trying, was trying to say. Like, stop taking yourself so seriously. Life is short. Live it. Which, speaking of life being short and not taking it seriously, someone who self-actualized has the ability to look at life objectively. So you can't look at life objectively and take yourself too seriously at the same time. So here's an example. Someone, let's say that you walk into your place of work and you bump into your boss and your boss gives a haroof and just stomps off. A self-actualized person would take that and think, interesting, I wonder what just happened there. I wonder if they're having a bad day. What day is it today? It's Tuesday. Tuesday is her long day, or his long day. Oh, I should really probably, like, let's just, let's explore more what's going on. They ask questions. There's an objectivity going on about it. When, well, let's talk about politics. When a political candidate gets voted in, that is not of their political party, they look at it and say, well, what are my takeaways here? It looks like the nation is... Uh, communicating its, its set of values, and as it happens, it's a different set of values from my own. Very interesting. Let's talk about like let's let's talk about this objectively. There isn't this sense that the world is out to get me. It's only that life is happening. I'm just being affected by it. People who are self-actualized tend to be highly creative, because if you're if you're walking around and you're self-actualized, you're probably very curious about things. And people who are curious about things like to draw connections. They're, they're paying attention. Everything is sort of a marvel. If you're, if you're self-actualized, you know, there's this sense of looking at life like it's a beautiful, I don't know if I want to say fragile, but certainly unique certainly delicate thing. And so the capacity to understand that is correlated with creativity because there's a desire to capture it. It sort of brings back that whole concept of having a need for aesthetic beauty. Well, people who are self-actualized can appreciate beauty and are therefore creative. Uh, number eight, they are resistant to enculturation but not purposefully, purposefully, <laughs> Wow. They're resistant to enculturation, but not purposefully unconventional. So they're the ones who question things that the rest of the world is taken as a given. Someone who would be self-actualized probably would have questioned things like Jim Crow laws. Oh, well, this is just how it is. We have black people who drink from this fountain and white people who drink from that fountain. Someone who was self-actualized might pause and say, well, that's interesting. How come? What's the purpose of that? What does that achieve? How does that help anyone? So they're resistant to that enculturation because they're capable enough of looking at life objectively. They're looking objectively at this whole thing and they're sort of seeing the absurdity of it. But on the flip side, they're not purposefully unconventional. So they're not going out trying to disrupt things. They're not trying to cause mayhem. They're simply looking around and are curious about it. So it's not easy to fool them into coming in and sort of like, oh yes, now I will be enculturated and I, 
I will be a part of this group because I'm so desperate. You know, it's, it's difficult for a self-actualized person to fall victim to gang violence. In this, and by that I mean being enculturated into a gang. You're, it, it's not going to happen because someone who self-actualized can look at that and go, mm, I don't see how that's ultimately going to be useful. Number nine, they are concerned for the welfare of humanity. There isn't this sense that it's all about me or that people are out to get me, but there is an understanding that life is imperfect and we have a lot of work to do. So they don't get complacent. They aren't just looking around going, oh, let's just accept things as they are and move on. It's like, no, no, I can accept where we are now, but also I can appreciate how far we have to go. There's a concern for the welfare of humanity as a whole because you can't be self-actualized and not want to see improvement in humanity. You can't not want people to reach their potential, particularly if you've reached your own potential. Imagine, uh, I guess one of the best stories about this would be uh, Plato's cave. And for all of my fellow highly sensitive philosophers out there, uh, you can go ahead and just tune out. I'm sure you've read this story or part of it many, many moons ago. But Plato's cave, uh, was all about Plato. It was sort of a, a tribute to Socrates. Socrates in ancient Greece was the guy who questioned everything. He was sort of the bumbling dude who went up to lawyers and doctors and you name it and would prod people like, oh, so you know things. How do you know you know things? Tell me more about what you know. And he was later attributed to be perhaps one of the wisest people on the planet because it's not... Everyone else was under the assumption they knew something. Socrates was the only one who knew absolutely that he knew nothing. So he would try and sort of enlighten people and show them, look, look how much you have to learn. And you can imagine if you've spent your whole life trying to develop a, a, a persona who is an expert at something. I, I'm an expert in the field of law, an expert in the field of whatever how obnoxious it would be for this guy to be bumbling around and sort of poking and prodding at your what you've tried to build so very carefully. But it was a kind of enlightenment that he was offering people. He was trying to show people, look how much more fun life could be if you start questioning these things. How important is this? Come on, guys, get with me on this. And they didn't like it. So Plato, who was his student, who was Socrates' student, uh, was in paying tribute to Socrates. He painted a picture of a cave. He said, imagine, and the entire population of people are staring, are in a cave, and they're, behind them is a candle, or is some fire. And in front of the fire are people making little shadows. So a modern day version of this might be a movie theater. Imagine, you know, you're all sort of seated in such a way that you're looking at a screen, and you're all chained to the seats. And Whatever it is that you see is captivating, certainly, but imagine one of the people in the audience figured out that this was just a movie and thought to themselves, you know, I wonder what's going on behind the curtain, you know, behind the screen. Well, what's going on up there? And he breaks free from his seat and he crawls out of the cave and it, it rips his skin apart. I mean, it just, he's bruised and battered, but finally he makes it out to the real life surface and he is in awe of what he sees. And goes, oh my God, do you see how beautiful it is? How big it all is, how bright. And he goes right back into the cave, trying to tell everybody, 
people, let me tell you something. I found some really cool things. You have to, like, you think the shadow puppets are cool. Wait till you see the real deal. And unfortunately, in Plato's story, they, in anger and frustration, because they didn't want to be removed from their place. They were comfortable. They were frightened. They kill him. I don't really know how they kill him because apparently, I don't know if they're chained down, maybe he released them. I don't know, but that's not important. The thing is, this is what they did to Socrates, what ancient Greece did to Socrates. Eventually they, they told him, we will either execute you or excommunicate you. And he chose execution because he didn't want to leave Greece. That was his home. People who are self-actualized are sort of like the gentleman who gets out from the theater and sees the real world and then turns right back around and crawls into the cave to, ch to bring other people along. There's this sense that I've seen some wild things up there. Let me show you. Um, people who are self-actualized are capable of deep appreciation of basic life experiences. These are the people who, when they turn on the water from a faucet, pause and say, holy shit, magic. I mean, have you ever really thought about that? Have you ever turned on the shower in the morning? sat under a whole, like a faucet of hot, clean water and thought to yourself, what the flop is going on? Like, how amazing is this? With the push of a button or the flip of a switch, water pours from a wall. That's wild! The capacity to really look at that and see how important it is and how valuable it is. Like, these are basic life experiences, but they're phenomenal. People who are self-actualized are able to establish deep, satisfying, interpersonal relationships with a few people. There's this ability to be vulnerable. An ability to get naked in front of another person and say, hey, this is me. This is all I got. This is what I have to offer. And that tends to attract vulnerability in others. Because once you've seen another person lay themselves bare you're more likely to do the same. So people who are self-actualized are brave in this way. They know that it's worth the risk. Uh, people who are self-actualized are more likely to have peak experiences, experiences that are transcendent. People who are self-actualized tend to have a very deep need for privacy. They like their alone time. This is not to say that people who are self-actualized are all introverted, although as an introvert, I would dearly love to think so. But no, it's just there isn't a need to blast themselves out to the world and say, look at me! Instead, it's, no, there's no need to look at me. I'm fine. Often people who are self-actualized uh, tend to have democratic attitudes. So there's not this sense of like, I know best and therefore I will take the reins and I'm gonna take charge. There's this sense of, no, we need to sort of come to a consensus. And finally, those who are self-actualized have strong moral and ethical standards. They hold themselves to those standards as well as those who are close to them. So those are all very lovely and lofty, but if you're looking to see what this would actually look like in real time, the kind of, like, what, what, would it, what would you see? How would you know that you were dealing with someone who was sort of in these upper, in the upper rings of self-actualization? You would probably be looking at someone who experiences life like a child. They're fully absorbed and in concentration, and they're curious. 
Um, they like trying new things instead of sticking to safe paths. They're willing to explore. They're people that's like, I don't know, let's give it a try. They listen to their feelings in evaluating experiences um, that rather than having to rely completely on authority. Uh, they are honest. They not blunt and cruel, but honest. Uh, they are prepared to be unpopular. They take responsibility. They're hardworking. Um, and they try to identify their defenses and they have courage when they need to give them up. So it's sort of like the person who's like, whoa, whoa, I'm really sorry. I got triggered back there. I said some things I shouldn't have. I'm going to own that. So when you're looking at a self-actualized person, what this really comes down to is a person who is comfortable in their own skin, excited to be alive, curious about the world around them, enthusiastic about making improvements, and making those improvements for the betterment of all of mankind, not just for themselves. This is what a fully actualized person looks like. This is what they crave. And it's lovely to imagine that we could all get there. But what I appreciate about Maslow is in order to get there, he does kind of go back and say, hey, 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 wait a minute. You don't just get to skip all of these other steps and just go straight to there. You kind of know when you might be dealing with one of those because they tend to be narcissistic. Sort of like, oh, look at me, I'm fully actualized. Well, let me tell you something. Someone who is fully actualized will never have to tell you they are fully actualized. It's kind of like when you're looking at a husky versus a Pomeranian. You'll notice Pomeranians bark a lot louder. Huskies don't have to. I mean, they're chatty, but they don't have to talk. They don't have to bark quite often. Most of the time, all they have to do is stand there. And in fact, if you had a husky parked next to a Pomeranian, or even worse, forgive me for any of those out there who love their Shih Tzus, I am not a fan. Shih Tzus and I do not get along. But imagine you've got a little Shih Tzu barking up a storm. And of course you got this husky who's just sort of staring. Most of the time, big dogs don't attack. Not unless, of course, they were abused, but in general, the dynamics are really interesting. They stare, sort of bemused, at the barking small dog, and typically they walk away. Why? Because alpha dogs don't have to say, hey, I'm alpha. Most of the time, they can just kind of stand there and it's acknowledged by all. You are the alpha. In the same way, a self-actualized person will never come out and say, look at me, I'm so self-actualized. If anything, they're likely to say, I have no flopping idea what I'm doing right now. I'm doing the best I can, and everyone else around me is doing the best they can, but I'll share with you what I've learned so far. What, when you think about self-actualization, what I would love to hear from you is who in your life has been the closest to this kind of individual? Is there anyone in your life? I know for me personally, I've I've worked with uh, you know supervisors who have this. I there are people in my family who exude this, and I have very dear friends who just like I, I'm reading this and I'm like oh I know I I can think of a particular person very close to me where it's like this is I. I Dude, I almost want to write to him and be like, oh my god, they wrote an article about you. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> but, you know, what kind of people in your life exemplify these characteristics? And maybe another question for you to think about, 
How many of them would you feel comfortable enough saying that you exemplify these things? Um, there are some in here that I certainly identify with. And there are others when I look at it and go, God, I really hope I get there someday. I mean, how cool would it be to be both a humanitarian and a comic? <laughs> I mean, one day. So another thing to consider, do you think there's anything that's missing? You know, when you think about self-actualization, I gave a whole bunch of concepts and, and characteristics, but what do you think? Anyone who wants to write in or who wants to chat about this, I'm always happy to hear from you. You can write me at uh, first and last name, so Leah Burkhart, L-E-A-H-B-U-R-K-H-A-R-T, at healthysensitive.com. You can also find me on Facebook, The Healthy Sensitives. Uh, and you can go to my website, www.thehealthysensitive.com. Always happy to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts and questions. Or if you just want to have a conversation, please, please write. Always love to hear from you. Uh, and other than that, I just hope you have a fabulous weekend. Take care.